are welcome to Face to Face Broadcast. Enjoy the dynamic teaching ministry of Pastor Tibby Peters, the president of Renaissance Assembly Incorporated. This message will take you from where you are to where you ought to be. Taking the message of around the world by the power of the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. Wow. Say wow. He <laughs> said, Why all the noise? That's how alerts are hitting your phone. So much noise. Rapata. <laughs> Silent accounts. All of a sudden have become noisy. Rabakaya. Dormant accounts all of a sudden have become alive. Jesus died. Then he was buried and there was silence. But on resurrection morning <laughs> there was noise. There was noise. Are you with me? I declare that accounts have resurrected. Yesterday, I was instructed of the Holy Ghost to announce that the recession is over. No, no, no. Not just in your pocket. In Nigeria, the recession is over. The government will soon find out and join me in the announcement. But I declare to you by the Spirit of God that the recession is over. And in the same way, every buried account has come alive today. The silent days and the silent months and the silent weeks are over. The weeks where nothing was going on. You were just waiting. You know, as Jesus was buried, all they had to do was wait. But now I want to announce that resurrection has happened. No more waiting. Life has returned. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Say, I receive. <laughs> <laughs> they went to the tomb expecting that the burial will continue but resurrection interrupted the burial the burial phase came to an end by resurrection I want to announce to you that the burial phase of your finances has come to an end there are ministries here ministries represented here churches and pastors represented there has been silence for a long time Things have been silent, quiet. Hey, 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 hey. I announce to you that today, as you stepped into this place, your ministry resurrected. 
Resurrection has happened. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. The silent phase is over. You will never say again, nothing is happening. You know what you are saying now? Everything is happening. 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 Say it with me. Everything is happening. Say everything is happening. Everything is happening. Everything is happening. At the same time. <laughs> From nothing is happening to everything is happening. Glory to God. Labakaya, speak in tongues for a moment. Rakata, jetebro, ragadondo, bregediske, rapatoso, rapatondo, reketea, melebon, bregeduske, pretoso, bregadia, rakata, lagade, lebon, lemon, bregadia, and delebon, bregadia, leleske, renda blonde, bregeduske, preduske, rekete, leba, ruska, prate, ra, rakaton, boloso, renda blonde, bregados, bregadia. I already rejoice with you concerning your testimony. I rejoice with you. Sit down for a moment. I had a testimony this morning and I'm still trying to put myself together to understand the depth of it. I've not had the opportunity to even do that. About the brother that was trying to get a job with a media house. And he applied to four stations. All right? Uh, I don't know how he's been doing it for over some years now. It's like six years. Since 2011, he has been attempting them. And all of them said, no, no, no. Then he heard a word. It was a word. God's word came. I think it was in January. And in one day, the four stations that denied him, refused him, called him on the same day. Secondly, the station he finally um, joined, accepted, there were 52 people that applied. 5-2. 52. And they took only two people. And he said, the second person they took was someone he brought to partake of the prophecy. So only two of them that received the word were employed out of the 52. <laughs> the prophetic word will exempt you. It will distinguish you. Are you getting the picture here? So if they refused everybody, say not you. Amen. Not you. Let me just jump ahead of myself to explain and announce to you that the month of June is your month of establishments. 
Consolidation. Solidification. Setting up. Say, I receive. How God's word can just pinpoint a matter. We had a meeting here, one word from God, last year, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember which of the months now, August or November. And there was a family here that um, they said, all the sons in the house, no head. You know, when we say in Nigeria, no head, it means that they were amounting to no good. The mother was worried. Now, when you say sons, they're not 15, 11, 12, no. So they are my age mates, maybe. <laughs> you know, but they're still living with their parents. You understand that kind of thing? And I was ministering. The hall, it was an all-night meeting. The hall was packed out, this hall. So I walked towards the back. And I saw the guy. I don't know him before. But there was a word for him. I said, as I got to him, I said, I've forgotten how it went, but it was that there's a word for his family. And I said, are you alone here? He said, no. And his brother also was there. Not knowing that the mother also was there. And then God's word came. It was even Deacon Subada was sharing testimony with me. And Job said, Come in. Nobody has been employed in the family. Amen. Nobody. They started getting jobs. Amen. Are you understanding me? How God's word. And God's word is picking you out today. Amen. Picking you out today. Specifically. I just returned from our meeting, from a meeting in Stockholm, Sweden. And the same thing. Two testimonies. One was that as I was speaking, I now said something about sugar diabetes. And I was not ministering to the sick yet. I just said something about sugar diabetes and hypertension. Then I continued ministry, um, teaching. And then the pastor's wife, she's from Filipino, said, how come you just spoke about the sickness that is in my house? My father has hypertension. My mother has sugar diabetes. Together. So they brought them for the meeting. Praise God. And I ministered to them. Now listen to me. God is pinpointing your matter. In this meeting. Then the second one I remember was the lady that came with a footballer. The footballer is Nigerian. He was in a meeting. But the lady that came is Swedish. She's white. And she doesn't believe in the things of God. She is not interested. But he tried to convince her to join him for the meeting. And she joined him for the meeting. With a condition. In all those meetings, they used to touch people, lay hands on people. Nobody should touch me. That's what she told him. And he assured her nobody will touch her. Like he's the one that makes it happen. <laughs> How can you give an assurance for something you, you don't have control over? Well, whatever it was, it was just to get her for the meeting and she came for the meeting. Some t minutes after they had been seated, I was just speaking and then phew, the Holy Ghost spotted her out. So I walked, she was sitting to my left and I said, there's a word for you and you could just 
I didn't know that. And they told me after that. But when I said there's a word for you, like, I said I didn't want this kind of thing. Now he's going to come and touch me. And I said, walking close. And now, for the fact that I'm walking close means that I'm coming to minister to her. But when I got close to her, the Holy Ghost is too much. And he's here tonight. The moment I got in front of her, I opened my palm and I said, put your hand here. And she put her hand. And when she put her hand, you know what? I started speaking God's word to her. When I turned to go, she told the guy, this is a man of God. She said, how did he know that I didn't want him to touch me? And then for the first time, she said, I'm interested in these things of God. I want to find out more about this Jesus. Then, I had already returned to Nigeria and he sent me a message and said, um, she asked, the lady asked to take you out to host you. That was the word, to host you. But she didn't know you had left. So I told her you've left. And she said, please, when next you're coming, I want to host you. Someone that didn't love God. Amen. Amen. Are you understanding me? God was still on the person's matter. How much more you? Can you help me tell two people God is on your matter? Tonight. Amen. God is on your matter. <laughs> Glory to God. Well, we began to talk about some things since Friday. Amen. And we will attempt to continue along that path. It's obviously a service that is going to be interrupted. Amen. But such interruptions are welcome. Amen. Glory to God. And uh, we've been talking along the lines. Talking about the death, burial, and resurrection. On Friday, I thought on seven significant things about the death of Jesus Christ. We talked about several things. Get the message. Yesterday, Saturday, we talked about four significant things about the burial of Jesus Christ. Now, the idea is that redemption is about the death, burial, and resurrection. But each aspect of redemption had a specific thing it addressed. So, we were able to look at the specific things the death addressed. On Saturday, we were able to look at the specific things the burial addressed. Today, or tonight, we're talking about seven significant things the resurrection addressed. Hallelujah. Seven significant things about resurrection. Hallelujah. Are you ready? I don't know if I'm going to finish. I will try. Amen. I was surprised we finished on Friday. I was surprised we finished on Saturday. I might be surprised we won't finish today. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. Are we together? Hallelujah. We bless your name, O oh God. We give you glory and praise. You know, I just sense strongly that there is a 
strong, strong release of the Spirit concerning our finances. Strong. Strong. And I know that there's such a thing as supernatural supply. Are we together? There's such a thing as supernatural supply. Where you know that there is no rain, there is no dew, but the valley is filled with water. They say, where did the water come from? Supernatural supply. So it is even when they cancelled the contract that money is flowing. So the word is being fulfilled that there is no rain, there is no dew, but the valley is filled with water. The sure source, so to speak, or channel, has been disconnected. But when you look in your reservoir, it's not empty. And it is refusing to be empty. Have you seen where people are... That happened to us some time ago. I was a student at that time. It was on my birthday, actually. And a friend of mine came for us to go out. And we we're, were calculating how much transport we had. I was still living with my parents at that time. Was calculating how much money we had. We checked ourselves and said, okay, this is the amount of money we have. And then we had the money uh, amount in our hands. Then we just broke bread and, and went out together. When we came back, we still had the money that we started the journey with and more. Are you understanding me? Because we got to the road, somebody saw us, picked us. We got somewhere, someone said, ah, we got here, someone gave us money. Just like that, supernatural supply. Amen. Amen. So the money we started with was still intact. Then we had extra. There's a joke, a humorous experience that happened. It was on my birthday. I can't remember which, of, uh, which year now. Either tw- I was 21 or eight, 19. I can't remember now. And my dad, that morning, <laughs> I went to his room and said, today is my birthday. He has wine all over his room. So I said, just give me one. Let me toast with my friends. So my friend, go and sit down. He refused to give me the wine. So I complained to my mom that, look, he's not even drinking the wine. If I was not in Christ, I would have stolen it and he would not even know. You understand that? Even if you take five, he wouldn't know. But now, because I asked, <laughs> he doesn't want to fulfill scripture for me to receive. So I, I was joking with my mom and I said, it's better you should give me the wine now when I need it, not when I won't need it. Little did I know that it was a prophecy. So that day, we had gone out, gone everywhere, gone everywhere, and people 
gave us wine. It's not like today where wine is rampant now. You understand that every everybody, you know, is not like that. Then if you have wine, you have wine. <laughs> you understand that? Real wine. <laughs> Amen. So I'd gone around and then people gave somebody, uh, an aunt of mine that I'd not seen for a while, just decided that, oh, today is his birthday. No, no, she doesn't do that every year. She just decided to bake a cake and send. And everybody was doing like that, doing like that, wine. So I came back with bottles of wine. So I went to sow to my dad. Amen. Are you understanding me? What does that mean to you today? Amen. I said, what does that mean to you today? See, listen to me. Whatever you were deprived of, there will be an excess of it. I was amazed. I gave my mom too. And I still had. <laughs> Amen. And we also had wine in the party. Praise God. That's how God is. <laughs> and so when God spoke to us this year and said there is water and there is wine, we were rejoicing. No dry moments for us. And that there is a supply of luxuries for God's people. Say, I receive. I receive. Say it again, I receive. I receive. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 through to 4. Let's see how far we will go. Glory to God. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein you stand. Verse 2. By which also ye are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Thank God we have not believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Hallelujah. Now it's important to recognize the fact that Paul was declaring the gospel. The gospel he preached. And um, I've emphasize over and over again that he was talking to the Corinthians like they knew what he was talking about. The same way he was talking to the Romans like they knew what he was talking about. If I tell you, hey, go and put this in the car, it means you know the car I'm talking about. But if I say go and put it in a car, it could be any car. Here, definite article said the gospel. Then he said, the gospel is about Christ dying for our sins. It's about him being buried. It's also about him resurrecting on the third day. Amen. According to the scriptures. So he was giving us the components of the gospel of Christ. It means that 
If any of this is missing, the gospel is not complete. And today we're talking about the resurrection. What was it about the resurrection? How does the resurrection affect the believer? In what way does it affect us? Right from the Old Testament, folks have prophesied, spoken about a resurrection. Now, there's something I want you to understand. You see, because of what death had done to man from the time of Adam, I think the first man every, anybody ever saw die was Cain. Sorry, Abel. Alright? You imagine you have, you have been living then somebody dies. That had never happened. Hello? It had never happened. So like, they know sleep, but they don't know death. Are you understanding me? But this is different. What is this? He's not waking up. Maybe he'll wake up tomorrow. <laughs> I could imagine. Maybe he'll wake up tomorrow. Maybe he'll wake up next tomorrow. He didn't wake up. He didn't wake up. He didn't wake up. Then his body started changing. Oh, what is this thing? Death. Death. The fear of death. <laughs> yeah. I don't want this kind of thing to happen to me. Then imagine years after another person died. So, oh, our grandfathers told us about this thing happening. What is it called? It's called death. Then over the years, people started dying. And man had heard the testimony of deaths and became afraid of death. And for several generations, the fear of death dominated man. So when holy men of God began to have visions of death being defeated, amen, are we together? It was like, I saw something I don't understand. This thing, this thing, this thing that we're afraid of, it was defeated. Uh -huh. What kind of dream is that? Now, when God gives you dreams and visions, he's trying to bring you into the sphere of his manifestations. Because you might never know certain things except visions and revelations come to you from God. That's why the Bible says that young men in this New Testament will see visions. Because there are certain things our minds will never conceive except the visions of God break through. Amen. And make us think like that. Are you listening to me? As I'm speaking, the Holy Ghost will impregnate you with visions. Things that your mind will never have conceived. Amen. All of a sudden, pictures from heaven. Oh, David Yongicho used to say, dreams and visions are the language of the spirits. He said, it's the way the Holy Ghost communicates his thoughts to you. All of a sudden, you, you were just thinking about having just a small, normal life. And then visions start coming to you. Pictures start coming to you from heaven. Hallelujah. Things you will never have imagined that the scripture might be fulfilled. That he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think. That means the visions are things that are superior to your thinking. Amen. And then your thinking changes. You're no more thinking human normal thoughts. You're not thinking the thoughts of God. Hallelujah. Say I'm thinking the thoughts of God. Say I'm thinking the thoughts of God. So Job had a vision and he spoke about resurrection in Job 19 verse 25 to 27. 
The psalmist also spoke about resurrection. And all the things they said, thank God they were recorded. Hallelujah. Because God was beginning to make man see that there's something more powerful than death. Amen. There's something superior to death. Are you with me? So, look at what Job said in Job 19.25. He said, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Verse 26. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in this same flesh that was destroyed shall I see God. Amen. Are you with me? What is he talking about? Verse 27. Whom I shall see for myself and my eyes shall behold and not another though my reins be consumed within me. Now, he was trying to say that that happened but I still saw myself again. Amen. Are you understanding me? I died but I was alive. That has never happened. That never happened. You know, even um Enoch didn't die. I hope you know that. The Bible said the Lord took him. So just didn't see him again. So it was by revelation they knew that God took him. But the issue of death, nobody could explain that mystery. Death was a mystery to man. The psalmist in Psalm 16 verse 10 spoke about it. And spoke about resurrection. And all of a sudden, God was preparing a generation that will have victory over death. He says, for, though, for thou will not leave my soul in hell. Now they know that when someone dies and goes to hell, that's the end. Amen. Yesterday I talked about hell. You can get the message. I talked about the infernal regions. The lower parts of the earth. And men, prophetic men over the years had known that there is a place, a final place that the wicked go to. Amen. But now he saw a vision that his son Glory to God. David's son, this is the psalm of David, went to hell. Hallelujah. And then he was not left in hell. Amen. He did not suffer corruption. He did not decay. He came out again. Amen. That is resurrection I saw. Amen. What is the meaning of that? So, right from the Old Testament, there have been prophecies of resurrection. But the time for resurrection was yet ahead. There are other scriptures. Time will not permit me to share. You could write down Isaiah 26, 14 to 19. But let me read one. Daniel 12, verse 2. Talks about resurrection, clearly. Daniel chapter 12, verse 2. It says there in Daniel 12, 2. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth. Huh? Daniel said, they shall awake. He was more audacious. Amen. He said, they shall awake. And some to everlasting life. And some to shame and everlasting contempt. This was very clear. Hallelujah that there will be such a thing as resurrection. Lift your hand and say, I believe in that. Amen. Then we looked further and we saw that the truth is that in this message of the gospel, in our redemption story, that resurrection is the cornerstone of our faith. Amen. Are you listening to me? What makes us different from Hinduism and Buddhism and, and all the isms? is resurrection. Amen. Are you listening to me? That's what makes us different. If not all the founders or the people that came about with whatever religion they came about, they're all dead. Are you with me? But there's something different about our Jesus. Amen. And so I say again that the resurrection is the cornerstone of our faith. Amen. 
So it's important to understand what resurrection is and how it is significant to you that is born again and saved. Even when we confess the Lordship of Jesus Christ, our confession is founded on the belief that Christ was raised from the dead. Put up Romans 10 verse 9. You see, Romans 10 verse 9, making you understand the resurrection is the cornerstone of our faith. Romans 10 verse 9 says that if you shall confess with your mouth, yes, the Lordship of Jesus, but the, the core of what you believe is that God raised Jesus from the dead. That means the belief in resurrection, amen, is the foundation of our believing. Amen. Are we together? The belief in resurrection. Say, I believe in resurrection. That he rose again. Jesus is alive. You know, so when Jesus appeared to John, what did he say? He said, I am he that liveth and was dead. Revelation 1, 18. I am he that liveth and was dead and I am alive forevermore. Glory to God. Are we together? And there are several ways Jesus introduced himself in John eleven twenty five, 25 when in the story of Lazarus, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Amen. Are we together? What an introduction. I believe in the resurrection. I believe Jesus was raised again and he's alive today. Glory to God. So the first significance of resurrection I will read from Romans chapter 4 verse 22 to 25 and show you the first significance of resurrection. It says there, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. It was talking about Abraham relating it to us. Now it was not for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. Verse 24. But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed. Now we can say it has been imputed. Hallelujah. If we believe on him, that what? That raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. Verse 25 now hits the nail. He says, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. The first significance we're dealing with today is justification. Amen. Resurrection brought about justification. Hallelujah. Everybody say justification. Now, look at this scripture clearly. I'll just say a few things about it. I'd like to read it in NIV. NIV will give some clarity of what we're dealing with. NIV. In NIV, it says something there. It says, he was delivered over to death. That means that um, he was delivered over to death for our sins. That means that his death dealt with our sins. Sin had been paid for. But now, for us to be justified, resurrection is what dealt with our justification. Amen. So, he says, but was raised to life for our justification. Now, let me explain what that affects. You see, in years past, when people were taught God's word, they were told that we are forgiven but we are sinners. So they say, if you are born again, you are a forgiven sinner. You've heard that before. You are a forgiven sinner. That means, what it means is that you are forgiven, but you will sin again. Amen. It's in your nature to sin. But what resurrection did for us is not to leave us in a state where we are forgiven sinners. No. Now, it's not enough that someone damaged something. Hallelujah. Alright? If someone came here and broke the, the pulpit, okay? And then someone else comes to pay for it. He has paid for the damage. But anytime I see that man that broke the pulpit, you see that guy? He's a pulpit breaker. 
Don't allow him near any pulpits. That means I've declared him wrong even if what he had paid for, what he is spoiled has been paid for. To me, he's still wrong. He's a bad person. Are you understanding me? Justification means that after your sins were paid for, God judicially, amen, declared you rights and absorbed you of all guilt and is not treating you like someone that someone even paid for. Amen. Are you listening to me? That if Jesus had just died, our sins were paid for. But for us to be justified, he had to resurrect. Amen. Are we together? That in the resurrection, there is justification. If Jesus died and never was raised again, our sins were paid for. But we were not justified. Amen. Are you listening to me? That's why it says he was raised to life. The reason for that was for our justification. That means that because he was raised to life, I have been justified. Now, putting it clearly, what does it mean to be justified? It means that you have been put right with God. There are two words that are cousins. Justification and righteousness. They are first cousins. Amen. Everybody say justification. Righteousness. Are you getting the picture? Now, if you read the, the context, it was righteousness he was dealing with. That is what he was saying was imputed. Now, he now said, this thing, he called it to give it a broader um, you choose a, use a broader word. He used the word justification. He said he was raised again for us to be made right, declared right with God. Hallelujah. Say, I've been declared right. Say again, I've been declared right. Now, justification is the judicial act of God whereby he declares us righteous. Amen. So, the first benefit of our resurrection is the gift of justification. Are we together? Justification itself is an objective work of our salvation. Praise God. Now, I want to just say something before I go further. If this is the last verse of Romans 4, so I'm going to read it and enter the first verse of Romans 5. So you understand that the Bible was not written, the letters of Paul were not written in chapters and verses. It had to be put that way for reference purposes. Are you with me? So look at the talk. And I said, can you put the two scriptures together uh, from Romans 4.25 to Romans 5.1 so you, you just have it on the screen together. Let me just read it together so you get the picture. Hallelujah. Who was delivered for our offenses, he couldn't do that, and raised again for our justification, verse 1. Therefore, amen, did you see that? Being justified by faith, we have peace. Amen. We have what? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That means that the justification now has given us peace with God. So God is not angry with you. God has no beef with you. 
Resurrection settled that matter. You have been justified. Say, I've been justified. You have to have confidence in the justification. So, the first significance of resurrection is justification. Can you say with me justification? As we stand before God in his courtroom, the evidence is overwhelmingly against us. Yet, as he drops the gavel, he pronounces us righteous. Amen. That's justification. When I talk along justification, there's always a, a, a good one I say, you know, I, I like so that you understand it. We use justification in our everyday language. You have an argument with somebody. Huh? Alright? My wife dropped her shirt on the bed and I sat on it. And she's supposed to go out with it. You know? I said, you're sitting on my desk. I said, oh, you stood up. So why didn't you keep it this other place? You kept it here. Then she says, and you are justifying yourself. Is that clear? You catch a revelation better that way. <laughs> I said, why didn't you keep it there? Why did you keep it here? That means I'm claiming that I'm right. That's the definition of justification. But now it's not you claiming. God is declaring that you are right. I say you are right. Are you born again? You are not left to. You are right. <laughs> say I'm right. That's the beauty of justification. God has made you right. The second significant thing about resurrection. Romans chapter 1. I'll read verse 3 and 4. I'll try to be a bit faster. Resurrection. First of all is justification. Or brought about justification. The second thing is resurrection is a declaration. Amen. Let's read the scripture. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared. Everybody say declared. What was he declared to be? The son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. How was he declared to be the son of God with power? By the resurrection from the dead. That means that the resurrection is a declaration of his deity. Amen. Are we together? Now, you know, it was easy for people to accept the humanity of Jesus. Are we together? It was easy. And when people read scripture and they read the man Christ Jesus, they are relaxed. But Jesus himself kept hinting that he is God. Hallelujah. When he made some audacious statements, he said, hey, hey, I think it was in John 5, 46. He said, Moses wrote about me. If you had believed in the writings of Moses, you would have believed in me. They've read Moses. The only higher authority Moses talked about was God. Amen. So what is he saying? <laughs> is he saying he's God? Amen. Then he went further in chapter 8, verse 56. He said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw my day and was glad. Say, what is he talking about? 
The only thing we know Abraham did, amen, was about Jesus, the Messiah. Is he saying he's God? Amen. If you look through audacious statements, I am the light of the world. Amen. Why would Jesus say that? You know, you see, the Hebrew text is quite different from the English translations. I don't know if I should go here. In Psalm 72 verse 17, you know, the scripture was talking about um, um, something. He said, he was there. There's a way King James translates it, different from the original Hebrew text. Put up that scripture. It says, his name shall endure forever. His name shall be continued as long as the sun. Now, it was like, his name will continue as long as the sun. That's not what it was saying. The original Hebrew text was saying that his name was there before the sun. Amen. That means he existed before the sunlight came. Now, um, there's a translation that helps us. Amplified would try to hint because apart from the King James, they also try to pick from the Hebrew text. Look at this now. Amplified. Give me the Amplified. His name shall endure forever. His name shall continue as long as the sun. Indeed, his name continues before the sun. They give a hint. But the original Hebrew text says that this name was in existence before the sun came. That means the light that lights the world is not the sun. That's why Jesus said to them, when he said, I'm the light of the world, the Hebrews, the Jewish people understood what he was saying. And they were offended. Jesus also said, I am the resurrection. That resurrection you'll be hearing about, I am the resurrection and the life. John eleven twenty five. 25. I am the resurrection and the life. What is he talking about? Now, I said it was easy for them to accept the humanity of Jesus. Because they looked at him and said, look at his brother, James. This, look at his brother. We know his brothers. Jude, we know his brothers. Are you understanding me? He was born of this woman. We know. How can he claim? So, you know, religious minds can accept when you call him son of man. But son of man is one of his titles. He's also son of God. Amen. Are we together? Now, how Jesus declared that he was deity. The miracles that happened, people still call Jesus a man. How do we know? When Jesus asked his disciples, whom do men say that I am? What did they say? Some say you are Elijah. They were still comparing with, uh, well, that miracle you did, Elijah has done it before. Uh, that other one, Jeremiah has done it before. Amen. So they were still classifying him as one of the prophets until Peter made a statement. He said, thou art the Christ. That statement was that he had agreed that he was in the presence of deity. He said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, look, this did not come from mathematical calculations. Amen. Are you understanding me? This did not come from research. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. My father in heaven. That means that the revelation of the deity of Christ can only come to you by the spirit of God. No man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Spirit. Amen. So if today you know that Jesus is Lord and you know his deity is a revelation in your spirits. Are you listening to me? So resurrection was the declaration of the deity of Christ. He said he was declared to be the son of God by the resurrection of the dead. He was declared with power to be the son of God by the resurrection of the dead. No human has ever on his own died and woken up. Amen. Are you understanding me? 
There are things they've seen about people being raised from the dead. It's different from resurrection. People have been raised from the dead. Are you understanding me? Now, of course, you know in the Bible stories um, that we have Elijah raised someone from the dead. Elisha did the same. Are we together? And so, through the scriptures, even Jesus, when he walked the face of the earth, he raised a couple of people from the dead. Hallelujah. We have the story of Lazarus. We have the story of the widow of Nain. But now, in this case, there was no prophet that prayed for him. Yesterday, when I was talking about the burial, and I explained to you why they had to select a tomb that nobody had used. Joseph the Arimathea had offered his tomb. The Bible says it was a new tomb nobody had ever used. God decided to make it so. You know why? If the Jewish people heard that the tomb that they put Jesus in, someone had used it, they will claim that a prophet was buried there some years ago. That when his body touched the prophet, that's why he rose again. He was not really God. Are you understanding me? So it had to be a tomb that no man had used. So that you will know that it was by the Holy Ghost he was raised. The Bible says he was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Amen. Not by the help of any man. So, resurrection was a declaration of deity. Say it, resurrection is a declaration of deity. Let's take the first one. Resurrection has given us justification. Say, resurrection is a declaration of deity. Hallelujah. Can we move on to the third one so I'll be a little faster? Glory to God. Is this helping anybody? Now, Romans chapter 6 verse 9. When we talked about the burial of Jesus, there's something I said. It's close to what I'm about to say now, but there's a difference. One of the significance, the significant things, sorry, of the burial is that the burial was a domination. That in the burial, Jesus dominated Satan. Amen. He exercised domin dominion over him. It was a domination of, the, of Satan. Nobody had ever overruled the devil. Even when the angel, the Mark, um, um, uh, archangel Michael met Satan, he did not even, he didn't shout for him. He didn't say, small boy, come here. He gave him respect. The Bible says he brought no railing accusation against him. He spoke to him like a colleague. Are you understanding me? Um, August said, I should bring the body of Moses. Are you understanding me? Are, are you understanding the discussion? And then, at least I was like, no, I want him. He said, well, he's from Oga. So nobody had ever come to Satan's domain and treated him that way until Jesus entered hell. Amen. Are you understanding me? Are you with me? Get the tape for yesterday's message. Now, but here, go back to Romans 6, 9. I want to show you the difference. In resurrection, it was not about Satan now. Hallelujah. Satan had been defeated. But there's something. There's something. Resurrection is dominion. But it's not dominion over Satan now. It's dominion over death. Are you listening to me? I'll, I'll come to that. Look at this scripture. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead, died no more. Death had no more dominion over him. Amen. What do we mean? You know, if you read scriptures, the Bible tells us that 
Death, see, death is Satan's last card. Are you understanding me? You, you do everything, do everything, do everything. He said, if you beat all this one, you will meet death. <laughs> death, death. Nobody has beat death before. Amen. It's, 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 if, if you have, you know, where people are fighting, you know, and um, they, they send out their first warrior, you beat him. They send out the second one. They say, don't worry. The last guy is coming. Nobody can beat him. That's how Satan was confident in death. Are you understanding me? So even when he had been made a public spectacle of in hell, Satan himself did not believe that Jesus would be raised. Amen. So when Jesus was raised, it means that the last enemy, which is death, amen, Jesus had, had dominion over death. So resurrection is dominion, amen, over death. Did you get that? It's dominion over death. By Jesus, Jesus being raised means that he had had dominion over death. He had put death where it belongs. Remember, Jesus said he's a resurrection and life. Amen. He proved it there. That he had dominion over death. And the Bible says death had no more dominion over him. Also, you find that the statement Jesus made when he said, I am he that liveth and was dead. And then he said, I am alive forevermore. Means that because of what has happened, I will never die again. Amen. I am alive forevermore. I've defeated death forever. Listen, you know, the people that were raised from the dead, you know they died again. I hope you know that. Is Lazarus in this church? Is Lazarus in Nigeria? Do you know his house in Israel? Amen. That means he died again. Is that not so? The widow that lost her son, the boy has grown. Then he died. Are you his enemy? So, if they, they, they were raised from the dead to die again. But Jesus was raised from the dead never to die again. Amen. Are you seeing the difference? So, resurrection is dominion over death. When you connect with resurrection, <laughs> you start functioning with someone that has dominion, as someone that has dominion over death. Put up um, John eleven twenty five. Let me just read the last part of it. In John eleven twenty five, Jesus made a statement. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Meaning that this thing is not only me that is going to have it. I'm bringing other people into this dominion. Amen. I'm bringing others into this dominion over death. And because he rose again, you've been brought into that dominion. Someone say loud, amen. amen. Let me read a few more scriptures. Um, Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. Uh, let's just read it, please. It's good for me to give you the scriptures. For as much then as children, as children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same that through death, through death, he might destroy him first. The first phase of it was that through death, he destroyed him that had the power of death. That is the devil. So he addressed the devil. Now look at verse 15. In verse 15, he now says, and deliver them. So the second part of it is to deliver you. Who through the fear of death we're all through your lifetime subject to bondage. That means because of what Jesus did, the fear of death has been broken. Amen. That means that when man sees someone die today, he doesn't see it as an end because it can be reversed. Amen. Are you listening to me? It can be reversed. That's number three, dominion. So we started by resurrection, justification is the first significant thing. The second one is what? Declaration. The declaration of his deity. The third one is dominion over death. The fourth one is 
invitation. Resurrection is an invitation to life and immortality. Amen. Say it. Resurrection is an invitation to life and immortality. Glory to God. For clarity, I'll just read 1 Corinthians 15. I have quite a number of scriptures. 21 to 23. 1 Corinthians 15, 21 to 23. Let's just look at it. You see that his resurrection was an invitation. An invitation to life. An invitation to immortality. I'll read 21 to 23 and then I'll read 42 to 44. It says, for since by man came death. How did death come? By man. Romans 5, 12 tells us for sin came and then death came by sin. Amen. So, so since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. Amen. Did you see that? Alright. The first man brought death. The second man, hallelujah, brought resurrection. You know, I've taught on this before. There are titles Jesus was referred to. One, he was called the second man. Two, he was called the last Adam. Hallelujah. The first Adam, and then he said the last Adam. That means there will never be another Adam. That means you and I now are not made in the image of Adam anymore. No. We are now, as in Christ, we are made in the image of the heavenly, not of the earthy. Amen. Am I communicating? So, he said, by man came death. That's the first man. The second man, hallelujah, brought resurrection of the dead. Read down to 23. 22, it now says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all men all be made alive. So, in Christ all of us shall be made alive. Amen. Verse 23. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits. Afterward, they that are Christ at his coming. That means that whatever has happened to Jesus is going to happen to us. Are you with me? Whatever happened to Jesus will happen to us. So what you saw in him is what will happen to you. That Jesus died on earth and he rose again. Even if you die on earth, you will be, you will be raised again. But whichever way you are going up, amen. Are you listening to me? <laughs> Christ is the first fruit, amen. We are the harvest. Amen. Are we together? We are the harvest. 42. 42 to 44. Is this helping anybody? It says there, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in corruption. Go further. I will explain that. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body. There is also a spiritual body. One more. 52. Sorry. 53 to 55. Let's leave out 52. 53 to 55. It says there. For this corruptible. Must. Not might. Ever say must. Must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. Now what I'm explaining to you is that the resurrection of Christ was an invitation for you to come into immortality. Amen. Are we together? So he said this mortal must put on immortality. Verse 54. 
For when this corruptible shall have put on corruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Verse 55. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Amen. When Jesus rose again, it was an invitation for us to partake of immortality. We didn't just partake. There are two things. that We partook of eternal life. We also partook of immortality. He has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Amen. That's what the scripture says. You know, Jesus died. The Bible says his body did not see corruption. Amen. Then he was raised again. You know, some people don't understand that Jesus resurrected bodily. Amen. It's not that his spirits went to hell. But when he broke out of, his, of hell, his spirit entered his body again. Amen. And the body rose up physically. And it's that same body that entered into heaven. Amen. Are you getting the picture? Jesus is God. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. That has to dawn on you. Strong. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. What else do you want? Amen. What else do you want? I always talk about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Explaining that these four gospels were all trying to portray Jesus in different lights. Based on prophecy from the Old Testament. In prophecy, we were told about a king that will come. The prince of peace. Amen. That the government shall be upon him. So the new king, a ruler will come. Hallelujah. Even in, in, in the story, um, the, the prophecy of Hosea, he talked about a ruler in Bethlehem. Amen. So they were expecting a king. Matthew came and said, that king is Jesus. Amen. So all Matthew was presenting was Jesus as king. Then the prophets have declared, Isaiah talked about his servants. Amen. His servant shall deal prudently. Amen. He kept talking about his servant. You read Isaiah 52, the last two verses, he was talking about his servants. Mark came and said, that servant is Jesus. So Matthew declared him as king. Mark declared him as servant. Luke had his own role. When we started reading Isaiah 53, we saw that he was a man too. Amen. He said his vision was mad more than any man. That means he was a man. Amen. Uh, we thought he was king and so yes, but he's a man. And then Luke came to prove to us his humanity. So he gave us the explanation how Jesus was born. Amen. Proving the humanity of Christ. I love John. I love John. Amen. You see, in the writings of David, he always really said, the Lord said unto my Lord. Amen. He was referring to him as God. Hallelujah. John said, hey, 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 that God, that Emmanuel you are talking about. Amen. It is this Jesus. He is God with us. We beheld him. 
his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So, Matthew, King, Mark, Servant, Luke, Man, John, God. Hallelujah. Celebrate Jesus. Number five significant thing about the resurrection. The resurrection is a manifestation of his lordship. Say manifestation. He displayed his lordship over hell, heaven, and the earth. Amen. That's what resurrection was. You know, he died here on earth. If, let's assume that all humans here on earth saw the miracles Jesus did. There are some demons in the infernal regions that are not allowed to come to the surface. Are you understanding me? You know, they are the ones that are chained in a place called Tartarus. You understand that? They are chained. They are the baddest guys. You understand that? <laughs> are you understanding me? They won't be released until the judgment day, the, 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 the tribulation time. They'll be released and then finally they'll be dealt with and thrown into the lake of fire. You know the story. Now, those guys, they may be hearing what's happening on the other side. Then Jesus came into their domain and whipped their master. What was he doing? He came there to declare his lordship in hell. Amen. Then he resurrected and went to heaven. Are you with me? So, that's why the Bible says, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in earth, of things in heaven, of things beneath the earth. That means in the three realms, he has shown and demonstrated his lordship. Resurrection is a manifestation of his lordship. Amen. That song we sing. He is Lord. He is Lord. Amen. He has risen from the dead. He is Lord. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is sing again he is lord he is lord everyone and he is lord amen he has risen from the dead he is lord every shaba every tongue confess that Jesus Christ that's resurrection manifestation of his lordship amen in Ephesians 1 verse 20 it says which he wrought in Christ Ephesians 1 20 to 23 which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead put it up when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and the witches and wizards in your village and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come amen are you seeing the lordship of jesus and had put all things under his feet and given him to be head over all things to the church amen last one which is his body the fullness of him that filleth all in all amen he is lord 
resurrection is a manifestation of his lordship. His lord on earth. I said his lord on earth. The earth is the lord's and the fullness thereof. So he's lord on earth. He's lord over central bank. He's lord over your finances. He's lord over property. He's, are you understanding me? He's lord on earth. He's lord in hell. Are you understanding me? He has the keys of hell and death. He took it. Amen. He made a public spectacle over the devil and took the keys of hell and death in his own domain. And then when he came, he now said, it's time to go and sit on my throne. Then he took off. Hallelujah. They saw Jesus suspended in the air and going and going and going. The Bible says, until they saw him no more. He did not disappear. He was going until the eyesight couldn't see him again. He went right into heaven like the owner of heaven. Oh, 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 you didn't get that. He went right into heaven. Are you with me? Oh, recently, uh, just um, a few weeks before I traveled, I had an experience and I've been sharing with some people that are very close to me. You know, it was a dream. But it was a dream that left a strong impression on my heart. In the dream, it was the experience of the rapture. We're just sitting down and the rapture happened. Hallelujah. I never had that kind of dream before. And wow, I was just going, just going, just going. And I said, I started saying, this is it. This is what we have been preaching. This is what we've been teaching. Do you know, all I could say was, wow, glory, wow, glory. People of God, it was glorious. Let me explain it. A, 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 a pastor friend of mine came to see me and he was trying to get me to explain it. And I said, let me explain how it was. It was like golden droplets of rain all around me, but it formed like someone being in a lift. Are you understanding me? And then I was in my space. I'm not seeing another person, but I know there are other people in other spaces. Then I was just going. It was an experience you can't put into words. It was so beautiful that I didn't want any other thing. Are you understanding me? I was like, wow, 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 glory. It's so glorious. Then I woke up. I was telling my wife, I was on the plane, Air France. Paris, Stockholm, Paris, or Paris, Nigeria. I'm not sure where. On the plane, all of a sudden, place I shake That happens sometimes, you know. You know what came to my mind? The dream. That's what came to my mind. The dream, there was two things. The dream and my wife. That's what came to my mind. So, I was not shaking. That's what Paul wrote to them. He said, be not soon shaken in mind. Amen. He said, be not soon shaken in mind. His Lord. Oh, we give you praise. Lift your hand and thank Jesus. Where are we? Number five. We are making progress. We have seven, right? I'm thinking whether we should do it next week. Amen. Complete the remaining. <laughs> should we continue? The resurrection has brought about justification. Resurrection is a declaration of deity. Of his deity. Resurrection is dominion over death. Resurrection is an invitation to life and immortality. Resurrection is a manifestation of his lordship. Number six, resurrection 
is a qualification for an inheritance. Resurrection is a qualification for an inheritance. I'll read one verse of scripture. 1 Peter 1, 3 to 4. Two verses, rather. 1 Peter 1, one portion of scripture, two verses. 1 Peter 1, 3 to 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy had begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Verse 4. To what? To an inheritance. Amen. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that faded not away reserved in heaven for you. Amen. Because of resurrection, I have an inheritance. Are you understanding me? I have an inheritance. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of that inheritance. Is the, is the, is the, is the down payment. Amen. That's been made for the inheritance. Thank God for resurrection. Can you join me and say, thank God Jesus rose again. Say it again. Thank God Jesus rose again. If, listen. Paul said, if that Jesus didn't rise, he said, our faith is vain. If Jesus is not risen, our faith is vain. Thank God he's risen. Hallelujah. And he showed himself alive by many infallible proofs. Glory to God. You know that song we just sang now? He is Lord. It's an old song, but you see that it's from Revelation. Are you understanding me? I hope all of you knew the song. If we were born when they started browsing, you might not know the song. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You know, some of you were born when there was already internet when you were born. <laughs> there was already internet when you were born. Amen. You might not know the song. But it's a powerful song. We didn't understand the depth of that song until we started reading the scriptures. Amen. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, every tongue will confess means that some will confess now, some will confess later. But ultimately, everybody will agree. Amen. Are you understanding me? You and you have agreed willingly. Some will agree by force. Are you understanding me? But at the end of the day, everybody will agree that Jesus Christ is Lord. It is a song. Every tongue. Number seven. Resurrection is the culmination of redemption. Culmination. The climax. The completion. What finalizes our redemption? I'd like to read the scripture. Ephesians 2, verse 5 to 6. Oh, glory to God. I'm surprised we got here. I had to leave out a lot of scriptures. I said, resurrection is a culmination 
the climax of Christ's redemptive mission. In Ephesians 2, 5-6, to Even when we were dead in sins, had he quickened us together with Christ, by grace he has saved, and had raised us up together, and made us sit together. That was the aim, to bring us to sit with him. And I say we are seated. Amen. And raised us up together and made us what? Sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Job is finished. Amen. I was asking someone. He said, eh, eh, the, see, the greatest thing as a born again child of God is to make heaven. We have already made it. If redemption did not land us in heaven, then it's a flop. See, understand redemption. Redemption didn't come to take us from earth to heaven. It came to take us from hell. <laughs> Are you understanding me? It came to, hell had us. It came to take us from hell to heaven. It didn't come to take us from hell and drop us on earth. Then we'll go back to hell. No. <laughs> Are you getting understanding? This resurrection is the climax of Christ's redemptive mission. If he didn't resurrect, then the job was not complete. But thank God the job was complete. Let's look through all that we just talked about this evening. Resurrection brought about what? Say I'm justified. Resurrection is what? A declaration of his deity. Amen. He's God. Hallelujah. Resurrection is dominion over death. Hallelujah. Number four. Is an invitation to life and immortality. Number five. Resurrection is a manifestation of his lordship. Amen. Number six. Number seven. Not a. The culmination of redemption. Hallelujah. The culmination of redemption. I want to read the last scripture to you. Psalm 24. Resurrection. Jesus, the Bible says, he that ascended, first of all, descended. That means he went to the lower parts of the earth, whipped the devil. Amen. Are you with me? Then he came to earth. Then he ascended. Is this ascension that the prophets, the psalmist declared, lift up your heads, O ye gates. When we first read, lift up your heads, O ye gates. Some people thought it was to come out from hell. No, this was not hell. This was to enter into heaven. He said, lift up your head, O ye gates. Be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors. Because he's not going out. He's coming in. Are you understanding me? He says, and the king of glory, he didn't say shall go out, shall come in. What was hindering him from coming in? He called it everlasting doors. 
Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty. He had just fought a battle. Mighty in battle. Amen. Verse 9. Lift up your heads, all ye gates. Even lift them up, ye everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. Verse 10. Who is the king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Pause and think about this. Selah. Because the king of glory has gone in. We that are also kings of glory are going in. Are you understanding me? Remember, he came to make us kings and priests. And we're not kings of shame. Amen. As he is. Amen. So are we. So, he has gone in. So that we also can come in. Are you listening to me? I said he has gone in. So that you and I also can come in. Are we together? Listen to me. The everlasting doors are the portals of the spirits. It means that they will open up to the king of glory. And that's why the Bible referred to Jesus as the one that has the key of David. That when he, when he goes to a door, if he shuts a door, no man can open it. If he opens a door, no man can shut it. Today, portals are opening to you. I said portals are opening to you. If the everlasting doors can open to you, which door on earth? That is a, is a temporary door. Are you understanding me? If everlasting doors are opening to you, which door, which door, which door, which business door, which, which, which government door, which visa, which visa will not open to you. Amen. I stand today to declare that because the everlasting doors have instructions to open to you, every other smaller door has instruction to open to you. <laughs> are you getting the picture here? The Bible said this everlasting door should open that the king of glory might come in. And today that command is spoken over any door that is standing in front of you. Those doors standing in front of you, they are not everlasting doors. They are not everlasting doors. They are temporary doors. They are human doors. And they are opening. They are opening that kings might come in. That kings might come in. Today in this service, visas are coming. Nations that have been closed. There are some of you that have been trying to enter nations. You've been applying. You've been trying. You've been struggling. The doors were closed. Those everlasting doors are open for you. That means every other door is subject to the everlasting doors. Because listen to me. There are men on this earth that have access to all the doors. But the everlasting door doesn't open to them. Because they don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Are you getting me? But you, you already have authorization authentication to go through everlasting doors. Therefore, no smaller door is meant to be shut to you. And therefore, Lord, I speak over everyone today that has been in faith for a visa, but has been in faith for a particular nation. I declare to you, those doors are open. And I stand and I speak over those doors. Be ye lift up, O ye gates, ye doors of that nation. You doors of that continent, be open that these kings of glory might come in. These kings of glory are the ones that blood has been shed for. These kings of glory are the ones that blood is speaking for. 
These kings of glory are the ones that have authority in heaven and in earth. These kings of glory are the ones that are coming in the name of the Lord Jesus. The one that has exercised lordship in heaven, on earth, and beneath the earth. We come in that name today. And I declare that those doors are open to you. North America is open to you. Europe is open to you. Australia is open to you. South America is open to you. Every continent, every country that you desire to enter is open to you in the name of Jesus Christ. In those places where they bounce you, now the doors are open. The doors are open. In the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, if you're a business person, business doors are open to you. They're open to you. You are coming in. You are coming in. You are coming in. You are coming in. The days of being locked out are over. Your days of being locked out are over. Never again will you be locked out. Shout, I'm coming in. The doors are open. I'm coming in. The doors are open. In the name of Jesus. Get on the keyboard. Say, I'm coming in. Glory to God. The doors are open. I said, these doors are open. Listen to me. As you leave this meeting, there is no door that has any authority to lock you out. Even if you don't need the door, it should open for you. Are you understanding me? So you just enter to prove that it didn't, it didn't attempt to lock you out. I didn't need you anyway. I just wanted to prove that you are open to me. Amen. Are you listening to me? Ha 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 ha. I said the doors are open. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Even lift them up, ye doors. And the kings of glory. They are coming in. You are ready, right? You are entering places. You are entering places. Some of those places nobody has entered before. You will be the first to enter. Some of those places people were entering before. They are not they are stopping you from entering. You will be the first to enter again. In the name of Jesus Christ. Are you listening to me? I know what it is for doors to open to you. That will be short to others. Our first campus when we started campus ministry, our first venue we ever had. They said there is no, there is no, there is no hall. There is no hall in the, God told us, the heart of the campus. At that time, the heart of the campus was Delta Park. They said there is no hall in that place. I was stepping in, I saw a hall that was locked down, never used. And I said, that's the hall. It was locked. But we desired it. And it opened to us. Because it opened to us, it opened to others. I want to announce to you that something that was shut to everybody is opening to you. And because it has opened to you, others will not have access. For some of you, there are, you are, the miracle that you have entered into by this meeting has made you a forerunner. I said it has made you a forerunner. You are the first to enter. Others will enter. There's a forerunning unction that's been released upon us today. Are you understanding me? The same way John the Baptist came ahead of Jesus. You are going ahead of others. Some of you in your family, you are going to be the forerunner. You are the first that will break into that place. Rapate. Pray in tongues a little. Pray in tongues a little. Rapate. Mantelegade, gade, 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 gade,
Je prétise les mains de Bruno Bergoroso. La patale abandonne les bosses Bergadier. Télé, gade, 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 gade. Malabazo Bergadier, gade, 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 gade. Malabosso Bergadier, Bruno Bergadier, Talabosso Bergadier. Something's moving. Malabosso Bergadier, Talabon Bergadier, Bergadier, Talabasso Bergadier. Lelende le bosso, le bosso Bergadier, la lelende le bosso. La le bosso, la bande le bosso, ya. La pate ya ba. Paros prédécesse le bon Bergadier, Bergadier. La ha ya bate ya la bonde brigade rapato salabonde le bosso le bosso ralele la le monte le bosso la baye la pato salabale le leske malabasse le bon brigade c'est le bosso receive 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 malabante le bosso brigade atalabando le bosso brigade brigade Thank you for listening to this message. If you have been blessed, you can reach us by email on info at faithtofaithonline.org or call us on 234-806-361-3560. You are big, blessed and loaded. Taking the man.